Hello, I'm Philip Brain. And I'm Harry Clennon. And you're listening to Reflections by Spectacles. Today we're going to be talking about an insight that Harry wrote called A Different Perspective on Inflation. The article argues essentially that, yes, inflation is happening, but it's not happening equally across the board. And in some areas, particularly among poorer people, it's not that damaging. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that people can read the piece to get the basically like the the meat of, of the take. But I did want to talk sort of very briefly about something I said at the end about sort of how the media has approached this issue. And I think it is obviously really important to report on the fact that prices are going up. That's the story. I think people are concerned about that. I don't think it's manufactured by the media. But I do think that sometimes there is... Um, there's an incentive, a financial incentive for the media to talk about crises happening, everything's going really badly, blah, 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 people are concerned about this. And that has a definite effect, a definite effect, right, in terms of public perception, because people get their news from television or reading something on Facebook or something like that. So the news media has an incentive, because I think that kind of a thing can drive clicks. Well, Go ahead. Look, I mean, you say no problem with covering inflation, because yes, it's happening. But I guess this is the way that I think about it that makes me actually quite angry about the coverage, which is that, yes, inflation is happening, but it's happening most strongly in middle and upper income ranges where incomes haven't grown as much. And so inflation growing has basically either totally negated or partially negated any wage gains that have been made in the middle and upper incomes. Yeah, right. I mean, like the, the, the NBC article, I think, mentions uh, workers or an NBC article that you were reading the other day. CBS. CBS article the other day mentions financial sector employees, guys on Wall Street who are seeing their real wages decline. But no. So, yes, you have to talk about it. But here's the thing that really makes me angry is how long has inflation been happening in the U.S. and we haven't seen a raise on the federal minimum wage? Talk about inflation eating wage gains. Right. I mean, that's been going on for, we've had the same minimum wage for, what, what is it, like a uh, decade and a half? Yeah, since like 2000, the federal minimum wage has stayed the same since about, I don't know, 2007. I mean, it has gone up at, at the state level in, in some yeah, places. In some, in some places. Right, in some places. Um, and, you know, the fact that that is covered less as a story than one family who buys a dozen gallons of milk a week for their kids or yeah, something? Yeah, okay, so you're referring to I mean, this like, piece. I mean, this is, I, I linked this in the article, but I'm just going to quickly just talk about this story because I think this kind of gets to the heart of the problem. CNN ran a piece about a family who seem like very nice people who have adopted a lot of children. Um, I have so, nothing against them. And they them. have a responsibility, right, I'm not saying that you do, but they have a, so they have a responsibility to a lot of children who they have adopted or are fostering, and they discuss how they're purchasing a lot more milk per week. They said something like, 12 gallons of milk per week, which on Twitter, you know, people pile onto them. They're like, these people are, are, are purchasing all this milk. I'm really straying from the story here. But actually, I think it's not. I mean, people on Twitter no, I think we're unnecessarily important. cruel to this family, making fun of them or whatever. But they have to buy a lot of food for a lot of people is the main story. And the price of milk has gone up 
prices have increased. But I think where the media went wrong is that they didn't mention at all that this family, I mean, some people on Twitter also pointed out, well, shouldn't this family be receiving, you know, the child tax credit from the stimulus from the Biden administration? Shouldn't they have received some stimulus payments? And it's in fact true that they did. And the media didn't report on that. And apparently there's still a, the claim of the, of the news anchor who covered it and then sort of made this sort of clarification slash correction was that they're still feeling a quote-unquote financial squeeze. But I feel like you kind of need to report on those things. She also mentioned how instrumental the stimulus has been for them to maintain themselves. So I, I would say that that's that, that's my problem with how the media has been covering this, right? Is that there are these nuances to the stories that the 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 real incomes of, and I mean, one, real wages have increased because there's a labor shortage, but real incomes, meaning how much money you make per year, have also increased real household wealth at the lower end of the economic spectrum because of stimulus and because yeah. of a tight labor market. I think that it has been unfortunate that the media has not, reporter i mean they do report on it sometimes they say tight labor market you're making more money this was a couple months ago now it's all inflation 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 right i mean it's the story of the day what drives clicks what drives attention and also when the labor when the labor market shortage was happening right the way they reported on that was you know people it was because of the unemployment insurance and we're still experiencing a labor market shortage right so it wasn't the unemployment insurance which ended in september so Long story short, I think that the way they've covered this has been, you know, it's 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 deliberately incendiary, right? How can we get clicks off of what's happening? Yeah. And of course that, you know, we know, both of us know, getting clicks is important, right? We certainly yeah. know that. That's 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 like our job, but I think that there is a way to 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 balance the financial incentive to have people click on what you're saying to with I mean, there, there, there isn't a way to balance it when you're of that size. Well, that's probably and you true. Have, and you have the expenses and thus require the kind of margins right. that that's organizations true. of that size do. That's which true. Which is a case for the independent newsletter at the end of the day. But, yes. <laughs> um, because you can stand by your principles because you don't need a ma an audience of, of like 200 million people. Right. 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 That's a good point. Um, yeah. But um, that, it, that is slightly beside the point, but I think it is important. But it just frustrates me that ultimately, according to the statistics you were looking at, correct me if I'm wrong, but real wages haven't really decreased in middle and upper income levels. They've decreased by about a percent, um, which okay. is not nothing. It's not nothing. It's no, not nothing. They've, they've decreased by about a percent, but there's been a 1.2% a decrease from October 2020 to October 2021. So that's not nothing. But on the flip side, low-income workers in sectors such as retail, leisure, and hospitality have seen their nominal hourly wages rise 11.2% over the last year, which is well above the 6.2% nominal inflation. price increases in inflation. I don't, I don't, I, you could calculate what the real increases there but my my brain is not capable of doing that right yeah. now but you but there has been a real increase they have outstripped so it's been a small decrease a real a small real decrease which is significant enough to matter and that's why i don't think we can discount those fears yeah. as i wrote no, in the I article don't, i don't mean to discount it but it it's i think the point of the article is is saying and i think this is right is not that those things should be discounted but that we should also be giving a damn about That's a really the fact good point. that the poorest Americans are seeing wage gains. The people who absolutely need it most and have seen it the least. Right. I mean, I think you can see among some people, right, even at that, you know, 
end of the economic ladder who would say, I'm not happy seeing my gas prices go up if they own a car or the price of food going up. I mean, that can still be grating for them and still irritating. And there's, and so that gets it sort of a tension, which I think is evident in the piece that I wrote, but I didn't explore fully, which is that there's this tension between perception and reality, and we can't discount people's perceptions. Sometimes there is, you actually are seeing a wage decrease. Sometimes you're seeing your economic lot improve, but it's not always so easy to to really feel right. like that's the right. case. It can take some time, too, for things to even out and become apparent. Right, right, right. right. And, and the economy will probably adjust over time. I mean, price increases. I, I don't expect we're going to go into like an inflation spiral, but I think that things will settle down. I mean, it may take several months. They're hiding months, the inflation more than numbers months. from us, Harry. That's true. They're hiding the inflation numbers. Um, shout out Eric Weinstein. Yeah. Don't even look into that it's a stupid it's a stupid stupid saga of a stupid man visiting the university of chicago claiming that that the government is hiding in the numbers in the inflation numbers anyways anyways you wanted to talk about something else here that i also think is important i think this is actually more important the media stuff is just well it's it is important to to, media stuff is critical is is very important because but the the meat what the media does affects our discourse. Right. And you also want to talk about our yes, discourse. Right. And this is this is pivotal. So last Sunday I wrote a piece about how people It was a terrible, terrible article. Yeah. Just yeah. kidding. It was it was great and everyone should read it. Yeah. Both of those things. It was terrible and great. Anyway, I wrote a piece about which please read, about how we have sort of really started turning to like what poll numbers, issue polls say about what people like and in, in politics and like what sort of different representative samples of the American public want to see in politicians and what issues are popular and not. And various political strategies have formed around that. I would say particularly in the Demo- in the Democratic Party and outside the Democratic Party on the left have sort of started talking about we got to do what's popular. We Follow have to do what's polls. popular. Read the polls, polls. Do what the polls say. Wherever the American electorate is at, we want to be there the with them. According to the polls. Um, and the Republican Party does this mm, not as much. And they still talk about strategy and stuff like that. But I guess my point was we've sort of reached a point in political discourse where we're always arguing about what strategy works. You know, how we're, can we win this election? We're arguing around the margins of an right. issue about whether it will work right. rather than is it, in fact, a good thing or a bad thing to do? Right. And the and Joe Biden's economic stimulus and Donald Trump's economic stimulus packages are sort of a case in point here, which is which is this idea that, you know, if you do popular things, you will be popular, you will win elections, voters will reward you. I actually think with the Trump stimuluses, stimuli? I took Latin in college yeah, and high is, school. It is stimuli, right? With the Trump stimuli. <laughs> no, <laughs> sounds that weird sounds to awful. Say it. Don't, don't, um, no, we're going stimuluses. Uh, with the Trump stimuli. Do you not hear me? He lost, sorry, with the Trump, with his Trump. Ah. Say stimuluses. With the Trump stimuluses, um, <laughs> You, I think you could actually see that he actually that he did maybe reap some electoral reward in 2020, although it's so 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 hard to say. I mean, that's part of the problem is it's really hard to say what actually caused someone to win and didn't or lose or whatever. But maybe he lost by less than like he would have tea if he leaves. hadn't done that because the economy, as I point out in this piece, would have absolutely hit the floor if there had not been stimulus very very rapidly, which which. To his credit, Donald Trump did enact or Congress didn't act under Donald Trump and he signed it. So that's 
significant, right? That maybe he did reap some sort of economic or some sort of political benefit, but he still lost. And Joe Biden, right? There was all this talk like, oh, you just send out the checks, put your name on them and people will love you for Campaign it. Campaign in Georgia on how um, you're going to give everyone money and you'll win. And you'll win and you'll win. And the yeah. Democrats did win in Georgia, although I think that had more to do with Donald Trump basically saying that his voters shouldn't, his supporters shouldn't <laughs> vote because the elections would be fraudulent. But it is true that people did think that Joe Biden would be popular because he signed the stimulus bill. And maybe he was in the short term. But the problem is, one, you know, how popular actually did that make him? Did people getting $1,400 stimulus checks actually make him? Right. Hard to say because his approval ratings have tanked. And even if they did make him popular in the short term, I can't imagine that in the 2022 midterms or the 2024 presidential election, it's people gonna are, are, are going to really minds. think about it that much. Yeah. I mean, ideally... This is like uh, what there's like some old joke about Harry, you played guitar in a band, but right. there's an old joke about people who play bass. If they're doing their job well, no one knows they're there at all. Right. If you're doing an economic recovery well, nobody will think about it. Right. I mean, like if, if you recover the economy very well, people will forget that you did it. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's true. Everyone will, everyone will and that's, remember that's, if, that's, if you're doing a like, horrible that's, job. That's the curse of doing good policy. Right. Is... If it's good enough, it goes unnoticed because it just fades away into everyday life, right? right? But the point was, right, that Biden took has, has has seen his approval ratings decline significantly, and it just it, even it, though the policy was a good policy. What I'm what I'm pointing to is another example of how this opinion poll reliance on opinion polls do what the polls say, and you will be rewarded is really out of touch with the way not just democracy works, but human psychology works too, right? Which are not just simply like you're at a restaurant and the opinion poll is some menu and you order the foods you want and tell your waiter, the pollster, and then Joe Biden walks out with your dish of pasta that you ordered and you think, oh, great. No, it doesn't work that way. Right. You answer a poll thinking about, okay, what's important to me? Some policies happen a year later, eight months later. Maybe you like forget about it maybe the messaging about the the policies relation to the things that you find important gets muddled along the way as attack ads from either side start or just a media that likes to sensationalize to you know sort of connect and, and to there the you go so it's just discussion. not it's not this straightforward process of just doing what the polls say right and then also beyond the practical problems it is it's kind of a worrisome situation to be in in a democracy where Civic dialogue, you know, we're supposed to be talking about how, what is a good society? Having these conversations about what makes a good society? How should we treat the poorest among us? How should we treat those who make lots of money? Right. Right? Should they be taxed? Should they not be taxed? Right? Should we regulate these businesses? What's good for the American people? What's good for us as a nation? Instead of having these conversations, we're constantly... And especially with the popularism thing about do what the polls say, part of it was about critical race theory and racial education and things like this. Right. Uh, and instead of having a conversation about what is the just thing to do for black Americans in this country, what are the just policies to pursue? What are, what, what are good things? We're having this conversation about what works, right. like what can we win elections with? And that is ultimately such a morally and, and, and philosophically bankrupt way of treating politics. Yeah. It is so shallow. And, I mean, and, there is and an unfortunate reality way. to you know sort of push back is that the unfor 
unfortunate or just simply the reality in a democracy is that, you know, you have to, because what policies you implement depends on who votes how, it does matter, right? You can't just throw yeah. away strategy, well, but, but I do think here, you're no, right. But here's what I would say is that theoretically in a well-functioning democracy, right, where you don't have runaway polarization, where you don't have a fear on both sides of the political spectrum that the other side is going to destroy democracy and freedom, right? that... Actually, you don't need to do this much strategy because here's the idea. You have ideas that you want to see enacted in policy. You have goals and you pursue those goals right. and you either win or you lose. Right. And if you lose, that's too bad. You don't get to enact your goals. But if you strip your goals of their meaning, if you abandon them to do the thing that wins, well, then you didn't get to enact your goals at all either. So this whole talk of like you have to strategize isn't actually true. It's only true when you have a political situation in which both sides think that the other side is going to murder them if they win. Right. Right. And so it's a sign that our democracy simply isn't functioning well because yeah. th this isn't how things are supposed to work and it's not healthy. Yeah. I actually think it also, this is a point, I don't know if I quite identify as a centrist, but I actually think it makes the political center quite unappealing because I think in particular on sort of the center left side of things, like, I mean, you have like the popularist people who actually do have substantive policy ideas that they think people should pursue for the ends of winning election, but yeah. they still have substantive policy ideas. But what you actually get among elected politicians is Joe Manchin or Kirsten Cinema, who have like totally hollowed out any substance and are just being like, well, we're just going to not do what the party wants to do to like appeal to some like whatever it is that some notion of like some like to popular their, majority corporate donors well that's a huge part of it I too mean, as well i think but i do think that like someone that they do think that like by bucking the party they can actually get like moderates but the problem is like you actually have to have substantive policy ideas of what you want to get done and it's not clear that they do um yeah. And it would be nice if, like, the political center in this country was like, here are, like, our main substantive policy ideas. And I'm talking about, like, the elected political center. Because you'll get people like Matthew Iglesias posting on his his newsletter about how the moderates should, like, get together and, like, form a caucus in the Senate and, like, basically just govern on smart policy. But that's never going to happen because those people actually don't care about smart policy because they've been hollowed out by, like, I think to some extent, this electoral thinking of how can I be... yeah. Not how can I navigate my way through this environment? Right. How can I thread the needle? Which for Joe Manchin in a state like West Virginia, he's a Democrat, but he's very conservative. He's trying to figure out how can I thread this electoral needle? Right. He's not asking himself. I mean, what's this decent is, or right? He's not asking himself what's decent or right. And that's not what his obstruction is about. His obstruction is about I need to find a way to thread this needle to keep winning. Plus his cold his cold dividends, but. Plus, yeah, plus, plus, plus. <laughs> I mean, it's, and I, and I think it can be yeah. both. So anyway. It is both. It um, is both. But I think that, is, that because, this sort know. of inflation debate sort of to recenter yeah. is very indicative of this problem of like just chasing the public opinion polls. Yeah. I mean, and it also takes, I mean, the public opinion polls also like take voters as like having like these exogenously given preferences, right? Like, is, like tease that out for me. What does that mean, Harry? Oh yeah, you don't like it when I use the word. I still kind of don't quite the, know what the it voters, means. Like, the voters have like these preferences that are not like, in, that are not influenced by the system 
as it already exists, right? That voters just like have these preferences that sort of come out of nowhere or are they just like are iron clattered. They just are right. Yeah. They're ad hoc. They're, they just are. But the thing that the reality is, is that public opinion is like shaped by how politicians and how pundits, th- those preferences are shaped by the political system in which we live from the institutions it's themselves. It's reciprocal. To, it's, it's a feedback effect. Right. Yeah. I think one great example is this discussion of Medicare being able to negotiate drug prices. Democrats have been hammering home negotiating drug prices for like probably like 15 oh, years. And, and you know, it's like it's an idea that has some merit, whatever. But no, Democrats- no, no. I like the I, I, I like the idea of what I'm groaning about is this 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 issue that you're going to highlight. Right. And so it's become if you look at like these polls, these issue polls, it ranks really highly and so you get someone like david shore who if you read my my piece is like the guru of popularism and it's like well why do you think it ranks so highly right because democratic politicians have like been hammering it in their campaign ads and in their speeches for 15 years right i mean that's my hypothesis i speculate on i'm totally speculating but i think that that like the, you see a cause and effect right there and then you take it as like oh this is the pop i mean you should do it because you've made it popular now now you've said that you're going to do it for and yet, years and yet, and yet it doesn't happen well something like it is supposed to happen in the build back better bill which at this point may or may not happen <laughs> so <laughs> something like it is supposed to happen in this bill that maybe will pass the now situation the, I mean, once you've built now, it up is saying can't like, this pass. is what we're going to do and then you actually had Democrats voting against it or, or lodging opposition to it behind the scenes because they didn't actually want to pass it because they have pharmaceutical donors, because somehow they think it's a loser. I don't know what it is. But anyway, that's the problem, right? Is like you have they have pharmaceutical the voters donors. like do not have like unmediated opinions, right? Voters are, are their preferences are formed by party. They're formed by family. They're formed by the news environment. They're formed by your institutions themselves. Yeah. And so to take it as like, oh, here's what's popular. Do that. Is like sort of is 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 circular, right? It's like you're chasing something yes. that has already been formed by the things that already exist, yes. and instead maybe you just want to break the cycle a little bit and be like, "Here's what I think is right, and I'm going to do that." And I know that sounds like and idealistic and stupid, that but but yeah, I would prefer that, and I think that that's because plausible. here's the other thing: is you cannot simply full stop. You cannot have meaningfully, genuinely productive debate about what will work. Because it is all speculation. You don't know. Because polling is not a science and neither is politics. Right. It is all bogus. What you can have a productive debate about is values. What do we actually want to do? What policy is good? Let's have an argument about that. Right? Let's have a discussion about it. Right. I mean, I think it's hard to At the end of the day, then we're actually, we're talking about something. We're talking about opinions as opinions rather than talking about opinions as there's somehow some sort of science, right. which gets us absolutely nowhere. Right, right, right. I mean, I do think, I mean, it's hard sometimes to talk about policy because voters say they want people to talk about policy and then they actually get bored when people talk about policy. But I think you can like state like well, top I'm not line saying, I'm not saying politicians values. go out and have in this, this yeah. right? I mean, you can yes. say like, I like you can state your values and state like your top line yes. political views. Yes. And people will respond to that, right? I mean, you don't yeah. have to get into the nitty gritty of like what every single... Like, part of your platform is going to be but if you state your main values and you state them hard and you fight for them rather than thinking about like oh what wins what's poll tested all the time i think that's i think that's guaranteed to be a loser but yeah we'll see we'll anyways see. we've we've Granted. gone on plenty long enough that's all for today if you enjoyed this episode please consider subscribing and share this episode with your friends or on social media If you'd like to listen to each new article of Focus and Insight read aloud, 
follow the link in the notes for Spectacles Out Loud. If you'd like to make a comment on the episode that you just heard, there's a link to our website, also in the notes, where you can also subscribe to our newsletter, if you haven't already, to receive a new way of seeing politics in your inbox five days a week. And find us on Twitter, at Spectacles Media. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks.